0: Solid Queen, position one fifty eight degrees west, twenty two degrees twenty one minutes north. Gyrocompass course two nine zero. Wind fresh. Sky fair. Remarks: Cleared port of Honolulu at three thirty a.m. without lights to avoid harbor and police officials. Reason for secrecy: the report from the White Jade Buddha. <laughs> The thirteenth day out of San Francisco, with the constant trade still flowing in over the starboard quarter, the Scarlet Queen stood in through Kaiwi Channel, past Coco and Diamond Head, and eased into Honolulu Harbor. I planned on finding dockage off 4th Street, near the shopping district, where I could take on water and food stores in a hurry, pick up my payroll and instructions from Kang's Honolulu contact, and head out. The section was jammed with merchantmen, so we nosed past Sand Island under power, And into Capalama Basin, where we tied up under the stern of an aging but busy victory ship. We'd noticed the big diesel yacht that had entered the basin in our wake, but we didn't pay any attention to it until it anchored just off our port beam and a thingy luster pulled up alongside. My chief mate, Red Gallagher, caught the hail. Boy, the Scout Queen! Boy, the boat! What's your business? Artwell and Master of the Rockahonga. Do I have your permission, the boys. Not mine. How about yours, skipper. You stay where you are. Huh? What's that? Oh, it's still I didn't say so, but it'll do. Well, then, if Mohammed cannot come to the mountains, sir, uh, let the mountains come to Mohammed. Talk English or cast off. What do you want? The pleasure of your company is key aboard the Ruckahanga. Yourself and your first officer, sir. No need for a formal acceptance. I never take no for an answer. I shall expect you promptly at five. What kind of bilge was that? I say, let's take a muff on that invitation, Skipper. I say, that tea smells like poison. Well, you expect the trouble in Honolulu. So, it's better to have poison, hail you from a dinghy, than run into a knife in a dark shoreside alley. What do you say? A poison on a yacht where you can see it, or a knife in a dark alley? Okay, Red. Break out your white linen jacket. We'll try the poison. <laughs> So mutual continues the voyage of the Scarlet Queen, written by Gil Dowd and Bob Tallman, and starring Elliot Lewis. (laughs) The Scarlet Queen, broadest ship to plow the seas, bound for uncharted adventure. Every week a complete entry in the log, and every week a league further in the strange voyage of the Scarlet Queen. instinct was to turn down Bradbury's invitation, because I knew that Constantino's machine was out to stop the voyage of the Scarlet Queen. He used every trick in the business to keep me from the $10 million prize Kang was sending me after. They killed once in San Francisco when Gallagher was on their payroll, and now after Red had switched his loyalties to my side, the Bradbury ale might be another move. But a few minutes before five, Gallagher and I dropped into our small boat and stole the 50 yards to the good ship Rockahonga. A Kanaka crewman took our painter and made us fast of the ladder. We hunched our shoulder holes through the easy positions and went aboard. We walked across immaculate teakwood toward the main house. Just before we reached it, something under a deck cleat caught my eye. I picked it up. It was a small opal earring in a gold setting. Yeah, welcome aboard, gentlemen. Come in all of a sudden. He's getting cold. Uh, we'll make formalities brief. I'd like to introduce my nephew. Uh, your name, please? I'm Carney. This is my first officer, Mr. Gallagher. Uh, splendid, splendid. Yeah, I'm pleased to meet you. Why don't you plot your hardware outside? This is a teapot. party ah, no, no, sir. No. Certainly the gentlemen have come on. All oh, manner of danger in these latitudes. Sharks, foreigners, natives. All right, clam, blubber clam. Tell them what you want and send them back to the rowboat. You're boring the gentlemen. Yes, yes, of course. It, uh... It just so happens that I do have a proposition to place before you. In spite of the apparent grandeur with which you find me surrounded, gentlemen, I I find myself temporarily embarrassed, well, financially, That He means he's broke. That's tough. I've been there myself. Yes. Well, naturally, you're thinking that I can sell this yacht for more than enough to carry me, but uh, I can't in Honolulu for reasons which I won't go into. As a matter of fact, I am taking great risks in even anchoring here, but I had no choice. What are you handing me? You picked us up off Sand Island and followed us into the basin. Why us? Why the very impression you make. Your ship's uh, well loaded, a craft that will handle well under jib and mizzen for intricate island sailing. Yeah, along with fifty other catchers in this harbor. Yes. Uh, now, Mister Carney, the point is this: I am, shall we say, persona no grata in this city. He means he's hot in Honolulu. Last time he was here, he got a skin full and asked his dame on the ship. So, she? That will be enough, sir. To continue, I must raise enough money to fuel my voyage back to the States. Neither I, nor if I may say so, Cyril can go ashore. Yeah, but it was no shame. Uh, in my travels, I have collected a number of valuable objects. Among them, this rare white jade representation of the Arakanese Buddha, one of the most sacred objects of the Orient. Stolen from the Boangan Temple. Look, look, what Blubber's trying to tell you, he's hot. The statue's hot. There's a certain character in Honolulu who'd pay off good for it. He wants you gents to deliver it for a third of the proceeds. He trusts you. Well, You'll ask me why. Uh, nicely put, Cyril. Well, gentlemen. How about it? Do you agree to assist me? Who's your buyer? A gentleman of the Oriental persuasion. Lu Chi Shen, by name. You will present the object to him, and if he does not instantly recognize its worth, as I believe he will, then kindly direct his attention to the cylindrical marking at its base. This identifies it beyond the shadow of a doubt as the Arakanese Buddha of Buranga. Well, Mr. Carney? Oh, the tea is all right, Skipper. The guy's in trouble. we got to go ashore anyway. Okay, Red, pick up the doll. Oh, I'm oh, a I found this out on deck. Geneering. Oh, oh. Where could that have come from? Yeah. Where? Yeah. Oh, cheap little thing. Take it along, Mr. Carney, for luck. <laughs> It was dusk when we left the Scarlet Queen to go ashore. By the time we'd reached King Street in the center of town, the tropic night had settled in around the city. Kang and Company's office was closed, so I phoned the home of the manager, Neil Gregson. He told us to meet him there in an hour. We decided to unload Bradbury's hunk of jade and kill the rest of the time the nearest bar. We found the shop on Canton Street a few blocks east of King. The sign on the window was in Chinese, but down in the corner in English was the name Lu Shen. It was a typical cluttered Chinese curio shop, dim, smelling sandalwood. A thin, wrinkled little man looking out of character in occidental clothes and green eyeshade was waiting for us behind the counter. Yes? You wish to buy a Chinese ware? Are uh, you Lu Shen? Yes. Who tell you to come here? Uh, Bradbury. Bradbury? Maybe mistake you come here. We got something for you. What do you think of that for white jade? You try to sell that to me. That's not jade. What do you mean it isn't jade? That's Japanese work. Very cheap. No good for me. Wait a minute. This is a great thing. Where did he say it came from, Skipper? Uh, a temple somewhere. Boanga. Boanga? No. Cannot be Boanga Buddha. Oh, he says look on the bottom, Lou. He says mark there, prunes. Oh. Wait. I turn on light. Uh-huh. toward the light and squinted nearsightedly at a spot of shining metal that was set in the center. He put a jeweler's glass into his left eye and looked again. Then he picked up a pen knife and started scraping the tarnish off the metal disc. He didn't finish the job. Didn't make any more noise than a firecracker. There was a little tinkle of broken glass. His body went rigid for a split second and then relaxed. The eye piece hadn't even shattered. There was a clean hole through it about the size of a 25 caliber slug. The bullet that had killed Lu Ji Shen had entered his left eye from close range. In the shattered pieces of Bradbury's phony buddha I found a weapon. It was a simple gadget, a rifle cartridge with a spring mechanism and a firing cap. I'd seen plenty of them on Pacific Beachhead during the war. We called them finger mines. It looked like Constantino's work, but I couldn't figure why. Any way you looked at it, it was murder, and we were in too deep to stand still. Twenty minutes later, a cab dropped us in front of Neil Gregson's Spanish-style mansion out on the other side of Diamond Head. The air was heavy with the smell of jasmine as we went up the walk to the front entrance. But the perfume that hit us when the door opened was more expensive. Well, Neil told me a couple of men were coming, but he didn't say it like he should have. Thanks. Where do we find him? He had to go off for a while, but he said I could entertain you until he got back. It won't be long. I'm sorry to hear that. Come in, won't you? Follow me. She was easy to follow. She swayed down a few steps and into a sunken living room. From the door, I could see that we weren't the only men she was entertaining. I counted five lounging around the room. Four of them, including a young Oriental with a scarred face, wore a well-filled shoulder holster. The other sat with a carbine across his knees. He was the only one I recognized. It was Bradbury's nephew, Cyril. Uh, come in, suckers. This could be a friendly get-together. Sure, what else? Maybe a little seven-card stud just to break the ice. I'll take you up on that, Cyril. We we'll always get a square deal from you. Oh, I like you, too, Gallagher. How much money you got. How would you like to spend your time, Mr. Carney? Taking myself from here to the equator, thanks. Come on over to the bar. My name's Claire, and I'll mix you a drink. We'll put the kick in man. That. That's probably the truth. Yes, there's the stage. Relax. Do something manly like making a pass at me. With all your husbands in the room? Well, that's better anyway, but I'm not married. Just well supplied with chaperones. Huh? Do you think I need them? Oh, get off it, will you? You don't need them with me. What is the setup, anyway? Well, a bunch of fellas just happened to drop in. Did you come with them, or are you part of the furniture? I'm engaged to Neil Gregson. You won't like him either. Mm-hmm. That makes as much sense as anything else. Isn't matter of fact, is your drink all right? Yeah. Can't remember when I've enjoyed one more. I could say the same about you if I were the sarcastic type, but I'm... That must be Neil. Excuse me. The doorbell did something to the atmosphere in the room. I wasn't quite sure what. Nobody changed their position Cyril glanced up and then glanced back at his whole card. Claire walked through the room and upset... She looked through the open grill, turned back to the room, and held up one finger. Then she opened the door. The figure of a man stood silhouetted in the doorway for just an instant, and then... Every gun in the room opened up on him. The shock knocked him half off the and he lay there. Some people never learn, do they? You really take chances, don't you? You've got real guts, sir. Skipper, it's their fault. He never got his hands out of his pockets. I'll ask your advice next time, Connie, but for now, come up and stay alive, huh? You Gallagher are on your feet. You're going with us. Good idea. We can finish that game stuff. Wait a minute, what's the deal? It's a payoff, Connie, for Gallagher's double cross in Frisco. You know what I mean? Okay, let's clear out. I felt like a man on a yard square island. From where I said there was no place to turn. Cyril's talk about Red's double cross added up to Constantino, I was sure of that. it wasn't hard to figure how they'd pay off Gallagher for signing on with me. So far, Honolulu wasn't living up to the travel folders. It was all blind alleys. And in each one, there was a dead man. I went to the door, dragged the body inside, and locked myself in with him. I pulled out his wallet. Gregson, all right, but any information he was to give me was as dead as he was. That still held even after I found an envelope in his inside coat pocket that had my name on it. Two hours ago, it would have led to Kang's instructions. Now it didn't lead any place. It said, Luji Shen is Kang's man. You're to meet him at 11.45 tonight. I walked a few blocks over to Core Avenue and hailed a cab. It dropped me on Canton Street. It was about 10 and I hoped that the police were through with Lou's curio shop. The dim light was on, and no one was in sight. I went in. It was not only open, it was open for business. There wasn't a sign that a murder had been committed there. And another aged Chinese face rose up out of the shadows behind the counter. Your wish by Chinese were? Who are you? I am Jia Cheng. You do business now, tonight? Your wish by... I help you. No, I mean Lu Gi Shen. Lord Gishen, not here. I know it, that's what I mean. You do business after what happened tonight? Lord Yeshen, not here. Were the police here? Many police. Many men, all want Lou Geshen. He not here. He go two, three days. I got an idea you're talking my language, Chow. Did you see him get killed? No, just not here. But Joe, you know Kang and Son, Shanghai. No, sir. You know name Scarlet Queen. No, sir. Other man, I them. What other man? Fat man in white suit, maybe come with police. Look, Joe, I'm captain on Scarlet Queen. I work for Kang and Son. No, sir. Fat man, say, say. He was lying. Look, look here. This paper, it says, Philip Carney, Master, Catch Scarlet Queen. You read English? No, read. And look here, this letter from Kang and Son in Chinese. I was supposed to give it to Lu Ji Shen, but I didn't know it until it was too late. You come along, me. He padded down the other side of the counter, and I followed him. We went through a door at the back of the shop and into the living quarters. Zhao bent over a carved camphor wood chest. When he straightened up, he had a bamboo tube and a thick envelope in his hand. Both of them were from Kang. The envelope held a beautiful, thick bundle of $500 bills and a piece of rice paper, and the tube carried my instructions for finding the contact in Kobe, Japan, and a list of numbers that could have been foundings or elevation. If they were to be memorized, the paper destroyed. You're sorry. I'm Savvy. I savvy. Kang, he most wise man. You aren't so bad yourself, Joe. You work good trick on Bradbury. Yes, good trick, all right. The police don't know Lou was killed? No person, know. I clean up very fast. No person see him, only you. Along with the one with red hair and me. To all other person, you, just go away. Believe me, I hope he has a good trip. Joe, you help me more? Bradbury took the one with red hair away. Unless I find, maybe he goes same place, Lujishet. Mm. You know where in Honolulu those men go? Honolulu, very big. Look, one of them was Chinese boy. Knife scar across here. Mm. You know all Chinese boys? I know the one. You know what place he go? Any house saloon? What place he meet friends? No friends. America very bad for that Chinese boy. I know it. I'll try and take care of it for you. Maybe beat Americans' heads together, huh? That place named House. Name Canal Street. There, yeah, bad? very good. John, you're a beautiful guy. You're the first thing I've seen in Honolulu that I'd like to take home with me. The Palm House on Canal Street was the kind of a place the police find at the end of a vice drive. It was a two-story building that covered its windows with bamboo screens to hide its activities from those lucky enough to be outside and a lousy view from those stupid enough to be inside. The only healthy thing about the place was the two fat palm trees that gave it its name. I took a final breath of fresh night air and went in. It was a big place. It was crowded. The atmosphere was thick with smoke. And the band was loud answers, the and state have been doing the same thing 40 years too long, and it improved their act with a few tricks from Minsky. I got three feet inside the door and got a typical welcome. Oh, big boy, you need no friend of a lot Later, gorgeous, later. Later, my back, I'm not the kind that goes away. I kicked and shouldered my way through every complexion in the color chart, navigating a course toward the bar by dead and reckoning and the sense of smell. There was some space opening at the end of the bar. I stopped to order a drink with the bartender without a sight. I turned around... And that's when I saw them. First one I spotted was Gallagher. He was at a table relaxed and nursing a glass. Sitting across from him was a woman, Claire. Cyril and the rest were spread out and they were getting to their feet. Then I realized why that crowd was so hard to fight through. I was the only one heading in. The rest of them smelled trouble and were fighting their way out. I put my back to the barn and leaned on my elbows. Gallagher looked at me once. Then he grinned and moved his chair so his back was to me. That made it complete. A trap and a sellout from him. Funny thing about double-crosses, Connie. Not so funny. You're the only one that isn't laughing. You want to talk sense or fall down? The gun's in your hand, not mine. Yeah. Well, let's try sense. You went back to Luji Shen's. You stayed there for a while. You talked to Luji Chen. Luji Chen's not here. Shut up. All he want is what he gave you or told you. That makes it simple, Luigi. you not here. I said shut up. Luigi <laughs> hey, was in that booby trap. You sent to him. Birthday greetings. He's dead. Quit it, Connie. The cops say he's alive. I argue with them, then, not me. Well, if you like this, go ahead. Be stupid. <laughs> that ain't hurting me. Well, that's because you got guts, Cyril. Great job. I hit him. Somebody threw two shots and, like at a signal, the place went pitch dark. I dropped flat on the floor and stayed there. Automatic flashed out of the blackness and splinters from the bar rained down on me. Then the place went silent. I lay there quietly waiting. Afraid to give them my position by firing back. I heard the scrape of someone sliding my way and snapped the safety catch on the automatic. Then I smelled the perfume. Claire put both hands on my face to show me she didn't have a gun and breathed something about getting out into my ear. I grabbed one of her hands with my left, reached up to the bar and found the glass. I took a breath and threw it to the other end of the room. <laughs> then we got up and ran. I didn't try to figure the twist. All I saw was a chance to get out of there and I took it. She led me through a back door into a car parked in an alley. And the last I saw of the pawn House was its reflection in the rear view mirror. Lua Bay on the eastern end of the island and led me into a cottage on the beach. The lights were shaded, the drinks were handy, and the motif was pagan. I'd expected her to toss me some curves, but I was a little wrong at the type. The events so far hadn't pointed to the kind that go with whispering surf and moonlight through palm groves. Yeah, they were. You've got the shakes, haven't you? The shakes are different on the end of the island. Your eyes aren't as fast as you talk. How would they look if they were? Wish I knew what you were up to. Couldn't I just like you? uh uh-uh. Couldn't I try? Couldn't I be sick of the whole mess and everyone in it? Couldn't I be honest with myself to just a little time? I don't know. Could you? Maybe I was wrong about you being alive. you know me? I'm scared. I'm scared to death. I am too, scared. Maybe, maybe it... Oh, god Your face. He hurt you, didn't he? He hurt you. I don't remember. Oh. I don't remember a thing of being here. I never did figure out whether she was really being honest or not. But I didn't know her well enough to care. A great deal. The drink she mixed that pineapple juice in them and the atmosphere she created was quite peaceful. She made only one mistake. She looked at her wristwatch too often. If she hadn't, it might have been different because I didn't hear a car pull up or footsteps outside or anything. I just saw a change in her. And I put my glass down and got ready. I wasn't quite sure who'd come through the door. It turned out to be Bradbury, but he was more surprised than I was. Claire was pointing a small automatic at him. Claire, what's the meaning of this? I've changed my mind. Uh, you're in too deep to misuse my faith, in you? have you put your pretty finger on your fiancé Gregson for an equally pretty remuneration. Quit being fancy and stay where you are. I found somebody who pays more for faith than you do. I don't understand you, Claire. Who wouldn't. Since our friend Gallagher has seen to it that Cyril is no longer with us, we might bargain. There must be a meeting point. Certainly you aren't wasting your time on Connie here. Shut it out, fat boy. Who drove you out here? Gallagher. Yes, that boy, Gallagher. Isn't it a caution, Skipper, what we have to go through to keep our heads above water? That's when the pagan cottage exploded, because that's when everybody realized who is sold out by whom. Red-colored Bradbury, and I made a grab at Claire. I was close, but not close enough. She named it Gallagher, but Bradbury's been pulled in line instead. Two spots of crimson suddenly blossomed on that white linen suit. And when Red let go of him, he settled flatly on the carpet. Claire disappeared through a side door. Where's the dame, Skipper? I want to get my hands on her. Let her go, Rad. I can't help it, Skipper. She made me mad. You know why? Sure. I don't think you do. Remember that opal earring you found in the Rock I wasn't mad till I found the other one on her dressing table. What were you doing at her dressing table? Making a deal, Skipper. Deciding that she double-crossed Cyril and Bradbury, I would double-crossed you. And she and I were going to live happily ever after. On what Constantino would pay us for what you got from Lu G. Shen. Yeah. Should I congratulate you? Skipper, if you knew what I went through making Cyril think I was double-crossing you, you would congratulate me. Yeah. How about Cyril? Yeah. How about Cyril? (laughs) Skipper, what do you think of Honolulu as a port of call? It's kind of mixed up with what I think of you as a chief mate. But I think if we try, we can get out of here before daybreak. Considering what's happened since we got here, I think we better. Um, Hamazar don't like us in the morning. An hour later, a sleepy crew had fallen through, and the Scarlet Queen sneaked away from her dock under power, out of Kapalama Basin, headed out toward the still dark western horizon. At dawn, we picked up the trade winds and cut the motor. Please talk, please. No! The mainsail caught the sunrise wind. And the Scarlet Queen nodded at the morning. And the lee rail toward the sea. She the came, now! She answered the Jits. Then the mizzen, And the wake boiled and bubbled under a stern. The clean sea air flushed the night out of me. And left a clear head to work out a balance between wind, sail, rudder, she likes her sail, Skipper. She'll take it as long as we can stand up on the deck. Let's not argue with her. She likes it as it is. So do I. I can turn my back any way I want it. No automatic. Oh, that was a bad port, Skipper. What's next? I'll try to do better. This one's called Muninjima. It's an island halfway between here and Japan. All right. You find the island, and I'll find the woman on it. at Queen, 5.30 p.m. Miles traveled, 3,035. Wind brisk, sky lowering. Sea choppy with high cost swell. Mainfall and mizzen reef, ship secure for night. Signed, Philip Carney, Man.